Primera Iglesia's weekly podcast from Houston, Texas. We hope you enjoy our English pastor, John Ryan Cantu's Sunday morning message. Let's get into the Word of God this morning. We're in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 17 and 24. And you're going to have to follow along with me this morning. Um, I won't have any uh, a presentation here this morning. Uh, so follow along if you have it. 1 Corinthians 7, chapter 17 through 24. Do you have it? And I am reading out of the contemporary English version, which I have been accused of calling the fourth grade version. But it is a really good version. If, uh, if you ever are trying to study scripture and you don't quite understand something, try the, uh, the CEV and at least you can, you can get the, uh, the concept there. And that's what I want to read from this morning. So 1 Corinthians 7, 17 through 24, it says this. In every church, I tell the people to stay as they were when the Lord Jesus chose them and God called them to be his own. Now I say to you the same thing. If you are already circumcised... Don't try to change it. If you are not circumcised, don't get circumcised. Being circumcised or or uncircumcised isn't really what matters. The important thing is to obey God's commands. So don't try to change what you were when God chose you. Are you a slave? Don't let that bother you. But if you can win your freedom, you should. When the Lord chooses slaves, they become his free people. And when he chooses free people, they become slaves of Christ. God paid a great price for you, so don't become slaves of anyone else. Stay what you were when God chose you. Amen. Why don't, we, uh, why don't we pray over this word? Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning, Father God, for bringing your people into this place, Lord, of worship. And I pray that this morning, that this word, my God, may just reach the depths of our hearts, my God, that it does something to our spirits, Father God, that we may leave out here a little bit different, Father God, with this word in our hearts, Lord, and in our minds. Let it change us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I entitled this, this message, This Is Me. And you can't see it up here, so I need you to say it with me. This is me. In fact, tell the person next to you, this is me. Hey, like me, hate me, this is what you got. This is me. And I want to provide a little bit of context here. This is the Apostle Paul, and he's addressing uh, the Corinthian church uh, in regards to, to marriage specifically. He's bringing up the issue of, of whether or not you should divorce your spouse if they are an unbeliever. You know, I can only imagine how difficult this got to be for a husband to walk with Christ when his wife is not on the same page and vice versa. It, it's got to be difficult for for a, a wife who is trying to give her all. She's trying to be involved in the church. She's trying to, to bring her kids. She's doing everything that she's got to do, but she doesn't have the full support of, of her spouse. It's probably led to frustrating points at times. When you think, well, okay, well, someone has to give in. It's either going to be you or it's going to be me. I, I, I've been listening recently to, a, to the Dave Ramsey show, and there was this woman that called in um, really frustrated because she couldn't get her husband on the same page um, as her with her finances. And she asks Dave Ramsey, what do I do? I want to beat my husband inside the head because he doesn't, he doesn't even want to read the book and he doesn't want to do this and he doesn't want to take the steps to, uh, uh, to financial freedom. And, and it, it, it's frustrating for her. And she sounded very angry. 
And I can, I can imagine that, that there's points where that frustrating, uh, that, 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 that frustration just gets to you and it, it wants to push you over uh, the edge where sometimes you might even consider folding and saying, well, this is just too hard. I can't do this without you, so I'm just not going to do it at all. But Paul here is offering encouragement that goes beyond just marriage. When he says, stay what you were when God chose you. Stay what you were when God chose you. I want, I want you to listen, pay attention to that word this morning that is from the Lord. Stay what you were when I chose you. Because that's kind of counterintuitive, uh, right, to what we usually hear. We usually hear things like go out and get better, go out, get smarter, go further. So I want to dive into what exactly is being said. God gave us a great word last week on transformation if you haven't listened to it, I, I really encourage you to go back and, and check it out. We have, on the Primera podcast, um, the, the, the message was called Watch Me Transform. And in that message, we talked about there being a transformed version of you on the other side of the transformation process. There's a more spiritually mature version of you. There's a more deci- uh, disciplined version of you. There's a more patient, more peaceful version of you. There's a better version of your marriage on the other side of that transformation. There's a better version. And so I don't want today's message to cancel out that message because you should always strive. We should always strive to transform into the better version of ourselves. But, and I want you to listen to this, don't try to change so much that now you are no longer even the person that God originally called. Did you hear that? God didn't call you to be the person you think you need to be. He called you. He called you. We talked about Paul's transformation Last week, we talked about, you know, it it took him a good three years to become the Paul that we all read about in the New Testament. He wrote about 13 books in the New Testament, and and, and we we honor him and we respect him as the apostle, but it took him a a good three years uh, going through that transformation process before he became the apostle Paul. And I want want you to think about something, though. His, His transformation, Paul's transformation, it was spiritual. It was a spiritual transformation. It was, maybe it was mental. It might have changed his motives. It might have changed his attitude. His perceptions on a lot of things changed on life. But that transformation didn't really change Paul's innate being. It just refocused his allegiance. That makes sense? Before the transformation, I want you to think about this. Before the transformation, Paul was zealous to tear down anything related to to Christianity. He wanted to destroy Christians, and he did it in a very zealous way before the transformation. After the transformation, Paul was still zealous, but now he became a zealous Christian. His zeal didn't change. It was just redirected. God knew that he wanted to use Paul's zeal. He wanted to use his tenacity, his boldness, but he wanted to use it for the kingdom of God. And I wonder, what have you tried to change about yourself that God never told you to change? I don't know who I'm speaking to this morning. But God called you to be you, not to be someone else. And this is one thing that I really love about King David. Because if you, if you think about King David's story, he was anointed as king, right? And we, we, we preached on this recently. He was anointed as king. He wasn't even in the same room. He wasn't even being considered by his family. 
His dad said, hey, you stay outside with the sheep and and your brothers are going to be in here competing for who's going to be the next king. You stay outside. He wasn't even considered. But then the man of God, the prophet Samuel, calls him in and says, this is the king. This is the next one. And he anoints him right there on the spot. He's going to be the next king over all of Israel. How many people wouldn't right then and there quit their job because they know that a, a promotion is coming? Right? Can we be honest? Like most people would be really bougie about that. Hey, I'm, I'm about to be the king. Like if I were David, I would have made my brothers go back out and, and, and take care of the sheep. Like, hey, I'm, I'm about to be the king, bro. You, you, report to, you report to me now. But David didn't do that. He didn't do that. And it's crazy because a, a few verses later, after he was anointed king, we read about David going back out in the field, tending the flock after he was anointed as king. And I love that about David because he didn't, he didn't let that get to him. He remained the same. He remained humble. He kept his responsibilities. He didn't feel the need to go out and, and buy all of this, like th- these royal clothes. I don't think that he, he started to change anything innately about himself. He stayed in the same position that God called him in. And then he allowed God to do the elevating. And a lot of times, church, we do that backwards. We do it backwards. God calls us, and then we think immediately we need to start trying to be someone else. Someone we think that we need to be. God calls us, and we're like, oh, man, I don't know if I'm up for it. I don't know if I'm up for this. I don't know if I could do this. I got I to gotta change myself. I got to change something about myself because I'm not going to fit into this mold. And we compare ourselves a lot of times to other people. But, you know, in our defense, I think it's only because we've been conditioned to perceiving certain callings in certain ways. For example, one of the reasons I didn't want to be a, a pastor when I felt called to be a pastor was because my perception of what a pastor was didn't match who I thought I was as a person. And I've actually found a lot of comfort in this recently among other pastors that I've talked to. But, see, before... When I thought about a person being a pastor, I thought that you, that pastor should also be an extrovert. I thought, if you're going to be a pastor, you need to be an extroverted person. Because that, that's just today's culture of pastors. Like you see people with, on Facebook Live, on Instagram, and, and, and you're always comparing yourself to other people. And you're like, man, look at these guys. They look like extroverts. They, they look like they just go out and like they're the life of the party. Like, like Pastor Michael Todd, right? You guys, you guys know him. The guy, I mean, he, he's, he's crazy. He's loud. He's a charismatic preacher. He, he wears these clothes that are just as loud as he is, right? And, and, and he looks like a party. He looks like he is the life of the party. Like wherever Michael Todd is, that's where the life of the party is. And, and I looked at myself and I was like, man, I'm, I'm not an extrovert. I, I, don't, I don't get refueled by, by a lot of people. And that's, that's the difference, okay? It's not that I don't like being around people, okay? It's just that extroverts, you know, they, they get replenished by being with people, right? When they're alone, it kind of just drains them. I get replenished when I'm alone. Or when I'm with a, a small group of people. And, and so that bothered me for, for a while. And, and literally, church, I'm not lying. I literally did research on how to become an extrovert if you are an introvert. It's not possible, by the way. You, you are who you are. But then I realized at some point that there really isn't an extroverted version of me. Because if there was, then it wouldn't be me. It wouldn't be me. 
But there's that, there's that pressure to always be. You always want to try to be what you think the calling calls for. You with me this morning? You guys are a little quiet today. Not making me work for it. I'll give you a more practical example. Maybe you can relate to this. Um, so, okay, so the baby boomer generation of, of women, okay, specifically those who are of the Hispanic culture, and you, you guys tell me if I relate to this. Those, those women are sometimes ruthlessly judgmental to younger women who enter marriage not knowing how to cook. Right or no? I've seen it. I've seen it with my own eyes. I've, I've been to those Christmas get-togethers where the tias are all throwing down in the kitchen and they're looking down on the sobrinas who just brought like jello or something, you know? Like Melissa, one year she got it right. She, she made this, this dish and everyone loved it and that's what she does every year just to play it safe. It's going to be the same thing over and over, right? And, and that, that, I imagine that creates a feeling of incompetence sometimes. Like, I know some of y'all women don't care. You're like, I don't care what anybody says. You do you, boo, right? But, but some women, I, they feel incompetent as wives because they never learn how to cook and they think that that's what, that's what it means to be a good wife, at least in the eyes of my mother. And we do that all the time as men as well. We, 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 we think that we need to know how to fix Everything, because when we don't and, and our, our children bring us something to fix and we're like, oh, I can't fix it, we feel like we fell as fathers and as husbands. A few years back, Melissa told me, babe, I don't like to cook. Just like that. She's like, babe, I, 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 and I, I looked at her, I'm like, all right, we're, we're in confession mode, okay. <laughs> and she said, she, and because she tried and she said, in the beginning, I, I, I was so determined to learn how to cook because there was this pressure from my mom. And I know my mom was always going to you know, be saying things like, you didn't make him food. Or, and, 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 but, but you know what? I don't like to cook. And I was like, all right. And then, and then I said, if we're being honest here, I don't really like eating at home. So that works out. Like I, I like to go out. I like to order food. I like to eat out. I like to sit down and, and be served. I'm real bougie about that stuff. I just, I, that's what I like. That's what I like. And that, that very honest realization has cost us a lot of money month after month. But at least we're, we're honest with ourselves, right? And I didn't marry Melissa to have a personal chef. I don't know if you men, that's why you married your wives. I don't know. She definitely didn't marry me on my ability to be able to fix things. We married each other for other reasons. And, and God called you for the other reasons that you often underestimate because you're looking at what you think you need to have. And Paul, I love what Paul says in Galatians 1, 12 through 10. He says, for am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? He says, I want you to know that the gospel that I preached to you was not of human origin. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it by any man. Rather, I received it by the revelation of Jesus Christ. This can be applied to your God-given calling as well, church. Man didn't call you. God did. And if God called you, man's disapproval of you doesn't disqualify you. Man's approval of you doesn't qualify you. So, so what if we just stop trying to fit a mold that God never even molded together? It doesn't matter that you're a little different. It didn't matter if King David 
wasn't approved by King Saul. It, it doesn't matter if they don't approve of you, if, if you're a little bit different, or if you're not everything that you think that you need to be. God called you. God chose you to be you. Paul says the important thing, the important thing, whenever you read something like that in Scripture, you better pay attention to the next part. The important thing. Sometimes we just read over scripture just because we're like, okay, if I read so many words in scripture, that, that's boosting up my spiritual points. Like, that's not the way that it works. You know, you got you to gotta pay attention to what's being said. He says the important thing. A lot of times I think that we forget the most important things because we're so consumed with things that are very less important. Things that are not si- significant at all. See, what's important is that God called you. Not that you're nervous about it. Yet that's what we think about. What's important is that God commanded you to do something, but you're more worried of how you're going to do it in a way that it pleases people. Focus on the important thing. He says the important thing is to obey God's commands. Don't try to change what you were when God chose you. I love that, man. That is spoken to my life more times than I can count. Don't try to change who you are. Because if you change who you are, you become a person that I didn't call. And if you're a person that I didn't call, the calling cancels itself out. And I know it's very tempting to ask God questions, but God, like, what, what, if, what if they don't like me? What if they don't like the person that you called? What if I'm not good enough for them? What if I'm not smart enough for them? What if they expect me to be someone that I wasn't, that, that I'm not? And those aren't the questions that we should be asking, church. But those are the ones that we ask. And it's all over scripture as well. Jeremiah told God, but Lord, I don't know how to speak. I'm only a youth. They're not going to listen to a child. I'm going to try to go out and and prophesy to the nations. They're not even going to want to listen to me because I'm a child. Moses told God, but Lord, I'm not good with my words. What if they don't listen to me? I was in Pharaoh's house all this time. What if I try to go back and they don't welcome me as their own? And we're always, we're always thinking about the, what, what they think. When God calls you to something, we like to, we like to get other people's opinion on it, right? I've, I've fallen in that trap way too many times. When God gives you vision, when God speaks, speaks to you, in a way that gets you excited and you're like, oh man, this is God. I can't wait to share it with people. And then they give you their feedback. And they're like, ah, uh, I don't know about that. And then it makes you think, oh, maybe it wasn't God. Or, or, or you, you become like in this competition where, where, where you're, trying, you're trying to satisfy both man and, and God. We're always thinking about that, that third party But when we do that, we start to get into a place of disobedience because God doesn't, God doesn't make it about the third party. He makes it about his command and and your obedience. That's what's important. So my question to you this morning, church, is, is what is God calling you to that you've put on hold? Because you're thinking about it. You're getting other people's opinions on it. You, you, you want to talk your, to your friends about it, your best friend. You want to you see what they think. Be careful who you tell because you might tell the right person who's going to tell you stop thinking and start doing. But what's important is that, 
that you're obedient. Obedience is what matters. That is what is most important. Now, you guys still with me? Yeah, man, you're awful, awfully quiet this morning. But everyone, I don't see any, anyone sleeping. So, okay, we're, we're okay. One more thing before we wrap up here. Because some of you, you might be receiving this word, and I hope that you are receiving this word. But you might be thinking to yourself, yeah, forget them. I don't care about what anyone says. I'm going to be me, and, and they could just you know, forget it. Hold on. Just back up a little bit, okay? Because there is a balance. There's always a balance. And I like what Paul says at verse 21, that same passage that we read. He says, are you a slave? Don't let that bother you. But if you can win your freedom, you should. I'm going to read that one more time. I know it might be a little harder to follow because it's not up here. But he says, are you a slave? Don't let that bother you. But if you can win your freedom, you should. I want to apply this real quick. So Paul asks a question and then he immediately writes it off by saying, so what? You're a slave? So what? Who cares? And then he says, hey, if you can win your freedom, power to you, brother. Do it. You should. But don't let the fact determine your obedience to God right now. Don't let your current position dictate whether or not you're going to keep on moving forward to what God called you to. Are you a slave? Are you, church, are you uneducated? Are you, are you not as knowledgeable as you think that you should be? Are you not as experienced? Are you not good with, with people skills? Do you have a temper that's going to be a problem? If you are, and if you do, don't let that bother you. Because if it bothers you, it might stop you. And if it stops you, you're never going to get into the, the purpose that God has for your life because you're just consumed with where you're not right now. Remember, what's important is what? Obedience. Obedience. You don't need to change who you are before you begin entering your calling. You don't need to. But you should try to get better along the way. And there's the balance. If you can get better, if you can work on your temper, if you can work on your people skills, you should. Don't be satisfied with staying in the same position. You know, there's nothing wrong with your condition the moment that you were called. And I don't know, I know everyone in this room has a calling over their lives. I don't know... You might not be aware of what exactly that is right now. Maybe you are. Maybe you know exactly what God has been speaking into your life, but you're so afraid because you think that you don't fit the mold. You, you, you feel like if you step into this calling, all of a sudden, all eyes are going to be on you, and you're not going to please the people whose eyes you have. But it's not about them. It's not about them. It's not about who you please. It, it's about the one that you please. That's what it's about. That is what is important. And I want you to know, because some of you have disqualified yourself for so many years, there is nothing wrong with your condition the moment that you were called. There was nothing wrong with it. If there was something wrong with it, God wouldn't have called you. But don't take that to mean that you should never try to be better. God didn't call you in a perfect state. He didn't call you because you have all the answers, because you have it all figured out. He didn't call you because you're the best. He called you in a state that perhaps you think that you're not not good enough for, but he still called you. And when he calls, we listen. And as we enter our calling, 
then we begin making progress at becoming better, at becoming more wise, at becoming more knowledgeable about certain things. See, because in your calling, church, God will elevate you. God will elevate you. He will refine you. He will make you better. But being better is not the prerequisite. Obedience, that's the prerequisite. Another hesitation that I had, um, you know, before, I had a lot of hesitations when it came to, to my calling as a pastor, but one of them was, man, God, I, I, don't, I don't speak Spanish very well. And you know, I could get away with pastoring our, our, our English congregation, but what, what about the Spanish ministry, you know? And, and, and people had told me before, like, hey, you know, don't, don't let that bother you. Like, just as long as you have Spanish pastors, you're, you're good. And maybe that's true, but that still wasn't enough for me. Like, I felt like, you know, I felt like a Spanish ministry should at, at the very least hear from their lead pastor every now and then. And, and that not speaking Spanish kind of became an excuse for a little bit because I didn't think that I would be enough for half of the entire ministry of the church. But God called, and I listened. I obeyed. And can I tell you, church, I didn't have a plan. And I still remember the day I went into our, 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 our room, and I told Melissa, hey, I think I need to be, I think I'm, God is calling me to, to be a pastor. And she looked at me, and she was like, are you serious? I, that, that was just kind of all over her face. And, and it was just, it was something that I, I knew, I felt, I, it was the Spirit of God over my life. I couldn't contain it anymore. That pressure was just on me. And I didn't, I was done thinking it through at that point. I didn't have a plan. I didn't, I, I didn't know how I was going to do it. I didn't know how I was going to do it with, with, with me lacking, you know, this, this very essential language to our church. Primera Iglesia, right? I didn't know how I was going to do it, but I said, God, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to obey. Because you called me in the position that I'm currently in, and I'm going to do it. And now, praise God, every week I'm meeting with a private Spanish instructor. We meet at Starbucks. Hablamos Español. Right? And it, it, it's, you know, it, it's getting better by the, by the week. And, you know, it's still a work in pro- progress. But, but I, 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 and I'm trying to become that better version of myself. But I realize now that wasn't the prerequisite. Me being where I thought I needed to be that wasn't important. We'll, we'll get there. And, and maybe that's where you are this morning. You know what? I, I, God, I'm not, I'm not fit for this. I, this is not what I... I, I don't think that, that, that people are going to approve of me. I don't think that I'm going to do a very good job, my God. That is not the important part. And as humans, that's what we make. That's what we make of it. We think that that's so, that's so important because, look, if I can't do my job well, then, then I'm going to fail. And, but God, if God is calling you, the first step is obedience. That's the first step. You think Peter thought about how he was going to walk on water when Jesus called him out? You think he, he thought it through? Like, scientifically, like, this, this is not going to really, this is not going to work. Like, maybe I should get some floaties first. Maybe I should get, like, a lifeboat or something. Maybe I should just swim across. No, 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 he just... He just obeyed. And the word this morning for, for some of us is just obedience. Obedience.
because God is calling you to something. God has a calling over your life. There is a purpose over your life. But obedience is the first step. I, I want to tell someone this morning that you don't need to change who you are. You don't need to change how you look. You don't have to have all the answers. All you have to have is a heart that is willing to be used in the purpose that you were called into. Embrace the you who was called by God for a specific task in this specific season. No one else can diminish your calling except for yourself. No one else. No one else can take it away. No one else can tell you you're not doing right because God didn't call them. God called you. God called you to do you, to be you. Don't try to become a person that you're not. So I want to make a challenge to you this morning. It's kind of a similar challenge that I made to to you last week about making taking that attitude of watch me transform watch me transform there's another one that I want you to adopt this morning an attitude that when you hear God's calling over your life you just say this is me this is me this is who God called this is who God wants this is who God commissioned this is who God sees in the place that I'm currently not. This, this is important. This is me. And I will obey. I'm going to ask that you stand this morning, church. And I'm going to, I want to ask that we just reflect just for a moment on this word. Thanks for tuning in to Primera Iglesia's weekly podcast. Join Pastor John Ryan Cantu every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. For directions or more information, visit us at PrimeraIglesia.org. We'll see you next time and hope you have a blessed week.